Presidential candidate Ron Paul hinted that Mike Huckabee might be a fascist. Is the presidential race getting ugly? Christmas is a week away, and since Jesus is the reason for the season, we'll ask theologian and best-selling author Dr. Daryl Bach why Jesus had to become a man. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. When fascism comes to this country, it will be wrapped in the flag, carrying a cross. Ooh, uh, that was Ron Paul, and he was asked about uh, presidential candidate Mike Huckabee's Christmas ad. We played it yesterday. We'll play it again in a moment. Uh, Silent Night was playing. Uh, There's a Christmas tree. Behind him is a window. And I don't know if this was purposeful or not, but there's the form of a cross that sort of floats behind Mike Huckabee's head. And uh, Ron Paul making some pretty interesting statements about this. Here's the full clip. I haven't thought about it completely, but, you know, it reminds me of what Sinclair uh, uh, Lewis once said. He says, when fascism comes to this country, it will be wrapped in the flag, carrying a cross. And I don't know whether that's a fair assessment or not, but you wonder about using a cross like he is the only Christian or implying that subtly. So uh, I, don't, I don't think I would ever use anything like that. Presidential race is uh, getting more interesting every day. You've got questions about whether Americans are ready to watch President Hillary Clinton age. That was something Rush Limbaugh brought up, and it was uh, also picked up by the Drudge Report with a pretty unflattering picture of Hillary. I guess we can talk about that if you want to. Also questions about whether Mike Huckabee's ad inappropriately conveys that he is the Christian candidate. Gives us a lot to talk about. Here's Huckabee's ad. Are you about worn out of all the television commercials you've been seeing? Mostly about politics. I don't blame you. At this time of year, sometimes it's nice to pull aside from all of that and just remember that what really matters is the celebration of the birth of Christ and being with our family and our friends. I hope that you and your family will have a magnificent Christmas season. And on behalf of all of us, God bless and Merry Christmas. I'm Mike Huckabee, and I approve this message. Actually, I kind of like the ad. Uh, It gives me a little respite uh, from some of the negative campaigning that's going on. He promises he will not be a negative campaigner. And I'd like to know what you think. Is Mike Huckabee inappropriately claiming to be the theologian, the Christian candidate? What do you think? Give us a call, 800 
881-9270. Uh, is it even appropriate for us to talk this way or to ask the question, do we want to watch a female candidate age? As in a Rush Limbaugh's comment about Hillary Clinton, it seems like males age better than females. I'm finding that out. And, uh, you know, maybe Hillary uh, might think about a facelift or something. But uh, this particular picture reminds us that uh, we do watch our president's age. And uh, in some cases, men look a little better as they get older. Usually women do not. If you want to comment on that, you can. Also, is John McCain surging? He got two key newspaper endorsements. And uh, he also got an endorsement from a key uh, independent slash Democrat, Joseph Lieberman. And uh, are those going to help him give McCain a boost? Does he have a chance? Again, our number, 800-881-9270. Let's go to Carissa in Arlington. Hi, Carissa. Thanks for calling. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Um, I want to make a comment about the Mike Huckabee ad. Yes. Um, I saw it, and um, I liked it, too. I'm with you on that. And at least he's not afraid to stand up and, and say that not only does he believe in God, because even the demons believe and they tremble, but he's not afraid to say that he's a follower of Jesus. And so I'm really impressed with that. I don't like his immigration policy, um, but... Uh, at least he's not. What about the uh, the news that we issued yesterday that he basically was very very critical of President Bush's foreign policy? Um, I think he should have phrased that a little differently um, because President Bush was just trying to do what he thought was right, and um, and I think it was kind of off. Um, I don't. I think he should have said it in a in a different way. Um, if if he really felt that the policy was just off, um, he should have put it like that instead of attacking President Bush's character. Okay, a little bit later, he did issue an explanation uh, with regard to this. Uh, Larry King asked him about it and also asked him if he would apologize. Thanks for your call, Carissa. Of course not. Uh, one of the things about being president, you have to stand on your own two legs. If you're going to run for president, you can't just say, oh, by the way, everything ever, everybody else has done is perfectly fine. Uh, that's not what people are looking for in a president. They're looking for someone who will say, there are some things we've done that haven't been right. I love the president personally. I think he's uh, done a far more things right than he's done wrong. I campaigned for him every time he ran. I've agreed with him more than I've disagreed with him. But when I disagree with him, I need to be honest about it. And, and here's the point that I wanted to make with that. I didn't say that the president was arrogant, but I said that the policies have been that way. Let me give an example of that. But, well, let me mention what I think has happened. When you go into a war, the key thing is, first of all, you have a very clear, definable objective as to what you're going to do when you get into that war and when you know you're going to win it. Secondly, you go in with overwhelming force. You go in with a sense of what we've often called the shock and awe, but overwhelming force military superiority against your enemy. And third, once you engage, you don't allow the politicians to second-guess the military uh, commanders who are on the battlefield, and you make sure they have the resources they need. Now, that's really the, the Powell and uh, Schwarzkopf kind of doctrine, and I think it's the right one. 
the Powell Schwarzkopf uh, doctrine yesterday uh, when we aired uh, another comment he made and also his writings uh, for an interview for Foreign Affairs magazine. It sounded like the Jimmy Carter doctrine worries a lot of conservatives wondering if uh, Mike Huckabee has sort of a naive view of foreign policy. He talked a lot about negotiating with countries like Iran. Uh, It's very interesting that we have to sit here and talk presidential politics when we are almost upon Christmas, one week away. And uh, later in the program, we are going to talk about Christmas, Christianity, Christ. Uh, we're going to talk theology with a theologian. In fact, uh, Dr. Daryl Bach, who is also, uh, he's at Dallas Seminary. He's also a best-selling author, will join me in studio. And we're going to ask him, who is Jesus Christ? Why did he come to earth as a man? Why was this necessary? And uh, many questions. Uh, we are going to also allow you to participate in the conversation. We are taking your calls right now, though, on this presidential race, 800-881-9270. Let's go to Sherry in Flower Mound. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for calling. Hi. I just wanted to comment on the um, ad for the you know, Christianity. I think that this country was really founded upon different forms of religion, but I think it's great that we have a country and we have someone who's willing to stand up to say that it was founded on God, and God is the reason that we're all here, in my opinion, and I think it's great that we have a candidate who's willing to put his faith on the line and stand behind it. Is Huckabee your guy? You know, honestly, I just heard the ad, but I think it's great that someone is able to, you know, I'm going to have to do some research on that. Okay, Sherry, let me ask you one more question. If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. Uh, but what about watching a female president age, going from age uh, 60 to 64 or 68? Rush Limbaugh says America's not ready to do that. What do you think? You know, I think that we put way too much focus on people's appearances, and if we pick a president based on watching a woman age rather than um, her philosophy or her way that she's going to handle the United States of America, we're in trouble. I mean, that's no better than reading a People magazine and picking a celebrity to be our president, if that's all we're focused on. I don't think anybody worried about watching Margaret Thatcher age uh, as she led uh, Great Britain. Of course, I think she was a little bit younger than Hillary Clinton uh, when she took office. Uh, It didn't bother anybody when Mother Teresa, you know, aged a tremendous amount while she was doing all the good works that she did. Thanks for your call, Sherry. We appreciate it. Let's go now to Rockwall and talk to Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for calling. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to comment on the Huckabee Christmas ad. I just heard it on the radio, and I love it. It is so refreshing to hear and to hear uh, Ron Paul criticize Huckabee for that ad when he was saying exactly what he should be saying. Um, Just shame on Ron Paul, and I think he ought to get the Grinch Award. You know, some of the other candidates uh, are uh, professing Christians, and so Huckabee's being criticized for claiming the mantle of Christianity, in a sense, saying that he is the Christian candidate. Do you think he's doing that? Well, if he is, I don't think there's any problem with that, and I don't see why if the other candidates have a problem with it, that they couldn't also say, I'm a Christian, and stand on that, I mean, stand on those grounds as well. Lauren, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. You know, it's very interesting. I think some people are looking at Mitt Romney and saying, uh, I can't vote for him because I'm Mormon, and not because they're bigoted, 
but because they are strong believers and they're worried that because more uh, because Mitt Romney says that he believes in Jesus Christ and he sees him as his savior, that he's somehow going to mush Mormonism with Christianity and it's going to be bad for Christianity. And uh, so in, anyway, I don't have any problem with the Christians who are using that as a reason to oppose him as being president. I know one theologian who said, uh, you know, there might be some uh, Mormons who try to spread Mormonism by saying, I want to tell you about the faith of our president. Let's go now to Bob in Terrell, Texas. Hi, Bob. Thanks for calling. Hey, Penna. I just want to make a comment about Ron Paul. Americans need to be fearful of a man like Ron Paul because uh, he doesn't realize when America was attacked and uh, he wants to give our country away to uh, al-Qaeda and terrorists, and uh, he needs to realize that our country was attacked and we need to... uh, be strong and uh, not uh, give our country away to uh, Iraqis and al-Qaeda. And uh, he needs to uh, realize that when he comes to the debates, he never realizes what's uh, really going on, and he seems like an idiot when he uh, is in the debates. You know, uh, we played a clip from him about fascism on Fox News, on Fox and Friends, and uh, I saw the longer piece, and uh, he sounded a little tottering. Uh, talking about how he was in Des Moines, which the host actually knew. And you just kind of wonder if he's got it all together. He certainly is doing well raising money, though. Bob, thanks for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go to a couple of pieces of news. Of course, uh, Russia is making a shipment of nukes to Iran. President Bush is uh, basically welcoming this. More in this report. The president says the shipment makes his point. If Russia sends the Boucher nuclear plant uranium and then retrieves it when it's spent, there's no need for Iran to fabricate its own fuel. If the Russians are willing to do that, which I support, then the Iranians do not need to learn how to enrich. Though they deny trying to make a bomb, Iranian leaders insist it's their country's right to master the full nuclear fuel cycle. But Bush says U.S. intelligence now knows Iran once had but shelved a secret weapons program, and the world is right to want the uranium work scrapped as well. Mark Smith at the White House. Really, the point being made is that these capabilities to make a civilian use of uh, nuclear material could be turned on a dime into the opportunity to make nuclear weapons. President Bush saying Iran remains a danger because they are still working to enrich uranium. That program is still active in spite of the fact that most of the world has said to the Iranians, stop your enrichment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, coming up next, uh, we are going to have a discussion that is very important. You know, we're looking at a very short time for us to turn our eyes away from this whole presidential campaign and turn it towards uh, the reason for the season, which is not shopping. It's not Christmas trees and it's not Santa Claus, even though those are wonderful parts of this season. But uh, it's the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth as a man, the fact that he uh, died for our sins and the fact that he is worthy of our worship and our praise. And we are going to talk about the reason for the season, Jesus Christ, with Dr. Daryl Bach in just a moment. Stay with us. We'll include you in the conversation. So get ready to give us a call. Stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live.
If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Are you about worn out of all the television commercials you've been seeing? Mostly about politics. I don't blame you. At this time of year, sometimes it's nice to pull aside from all of that and just remember that what really matters is the celebration of the birth of Christ. Well, that's Mike Huckabee, and uh, certainly uh, like that admonition, I think uh, all of us need to get alone and think about the reason for the season. You know, the atheists actually come out of the woodwork uh, during these holiday seasons, uh, Easter, Christmas, uh, whatever. And this year we've had uh, more than our share of this. We've had, of course, this atheist movie, The Golden Compass, uh, we've had Michael Newdow coming out uh, with his court case, wanting to take God out of the pledge and also out of our national motto, In God We Trust. We've got the manger police, as we discussed yesterday with Alliance Defense Fund. We've got the attacks against Merry Christmas, and every store you hear them saying Happy Holidays, rarely Merry Christmas. And we've got a Congress who tried but couldn't even get a unanimous vote to affirm the holiday of Christmas, even though they unanimously affirmed Ramadan and the uh, Hindu holiday. So that's what we're dealing with. And uh, right now we've got somebody who's going to help us understand the reason for the season. He is Dr. Daryl Bach, and he is research professor of New Testament studies, also professor of spiritual development and culture at Dallas Theological Seminary. And many of you may not know that the Criswell College is just blocks away from Dallas Seminary. So I'm not sure if you walked over here, uh, Dr. Bach, but thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. And if I had a baseball, I could hit you with it. Oh, my goodness. I bet you could. Well, uh, you seem too nice a person to try to do that. But uh, uh, Dr. Bach, before we get to the reason for the season, let's talk a little bit about the presidential race and Mike Huckabee's uh, ad that really, I think, in a sense, does claim the mantle of Christianity, but also gives us some great encouragement uh, to maybe take our eyes off of politics for a little while and focus on Jesus. Well, I think both of those ideas are important. I think the one concern that I might have is that it's very, very important that whoever runs for president make it clear that they are president for all the American people. And uh, and so in doing this, I think it's important to be able to say, I'm a Christian, but in doing my job and what you what I'm asking you to do, I am 
I am concerned about all the American people and what is best for all of America. And uh, that's not to say a person can't be a Christian and do that. I think they absolutely can and do so very well. But I, I think it's important that people not so identify with Mike Huckabee being connected to his religious faith as tightly as he obviously is, but that they understand that that's going to translate into a certain kind of policy and a certain kind of integrity, hopefully, that would be beneficial to the country. Doesn't necessarily make him a conservative on every issue, and I think people are finding that out. Well, Daryl Bach is with me, and uh, we are talking about Christmas today. And, you know, as we said, many people, either because they're so busy or because of ignorance, overlook the real reason for the season. And that reason, of course, is the coming of Jesus Christ as a baby. And sometimes when I think about this, I think, you know, that wasn't a real fun thing for Jesus to do to come to earth as a man. I mean, he had it a lot better in heaven, didn't he? <laughs> uh, well, heaven is all it's cracked up to be. Yes, it was a demotion. Uh, and I think that it, it, he he would have had it a lot better. I, You know, I think it's interesting. It shows how much uh, God cares about identifying with us and, and, and making it clear that he, in creating us, uh, understands what it is uh, that we do and how we live. And then, of course, the nature of Jesus' own life demonstrates this completely because of all the uh, suffering, the rejection, the hostility that he met in being who he was and what he claimed to do and to be. Why did he have to come as a man? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. Ever since you all posed this to me and said this is what we're going to talk about, I've kind of been mulling it around in my mind. And there's one sense in which a part of me says, well, he didn't have to become a man. He could have God could have been perfectly content to leave him in heaven and and leave things just running as they are. But I I think the point of the question is to say what's important about about God taking on humanity. And really the book of Hebrews probably says it as well as anything. And that is that he took on humanity to show uh, that he could identify and understand with who who we are as human beings, yet with yet being one who was without sin, and so it shows how much God loves us, how much He cares for us. Not only that He sent His Son, not only that He sent His Son in the form of human flesh, but that He sent His Son in the form of human flesh to die for us and to give us the life, to restore us to the life that was lost when we turned our back on God as human beings. Now, when uh, when we read the Christmas story and we see, of course, the shepherds worshiping him and the kings, the magi and others worshiping him, they had only a uh, limited view of who he really was. I mean, they didn't understand the full picture yet, and yet they understood that they should worship him. How was that so? Well, I think that they understood that what is represented in the birth was the arrival of the beginning of the realization of a promise that God had committed himself to long ago. And uh, this would be, I think, particularly true of the shepherds who had been told uh, that this was the Messiah, this was the Lord. And it would also be important, uh, I think, for the Magi who have some sense. You know, the fact that the Magi understand as much as they do in some ways is really amazing. They are, for lack of a better description, probably out of an astrological background. And uh, they come from, from the Far East. They would have come from the Babylon and Persia area in all likelihood. And the fact that they had a sense of what was going on here, that something cosmic was happening, is really amazing. Um, and, and they were going to show respect to this one who, who the creation uh, is responding to. There's a sense in the Bible that whenever the creation starts to speak, we're supposed to 
pay attention. I can't remember the name of the company years ago that had those commercials that said, you know, when Smith Barney talks or whatever, people listen or whatever. Well, in the Bible, when the creation talks, people are supposed to start and uh, stop and listen. And that's part of what uh, what the sign in the sky does for the astrologers. They recognize something significant must be happening for creation to be sending us signals about this. All right. Now, you have written uh, a book, a new book called Dethroning Jesus, Popular Culture and the Quest to Unseat the Biblical Christ. And of course, you're responding to a real problem in the culture. And I think it's appropriate at Christmas for us to address this. Uh, But it's the fact that people want to take Jesus off the throne to make him not God. What are they making him? Well, in the book, we've contrasted between what we call Christianity and Jesusanity. Jesusanity is the idea that Jesus' teaching is important, but his person is not central to what God is doing in, the, in, in God's relationship with humanity. In contrast to that, of course, Christianity has always said that Jesus Christ and his, his person, his work, his mission was very central to what, Je- what God was doing and that God could not have done that without the sacrifice of Jesus, the offer of the Spirit, the offer of the new life that he gives as a result of that, of that cleansing work that he does. And so we've said that, that what is happening in the culture is an attempt to make Jesus palatable and to make Christianity like any other religion rather than to keep this unique part of the Christian faith, which is so central to the message of what Christianity is all about. Would you say that's what your ministry is? Well, it, my, my ministry has been uh, very much directed towards making sure that the unique portions of Jesus' life and ministry are always kept as part of the story and presented as part of the story, because I think that's where the real power of what God has done through Jesus resides and the unique things that he is able to do for us. We've got Dr. Daryl Bach with us, and if you have a question for him about the divinity of Christ, about Christmas, about the Incarnation, give us a call, 800-881-9270. You also might want to ask him about some of these other Gospels, uh, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Judah. Uh, Theology questions for Dr. Bach. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. He'll be with us uh, for the rest of this segment and the next segment. And uh, we're so glad to have him with us today. And, you know, one of the questions I have is, uh, you know, going around the Internet, you deal with young people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. there are folks who are trying to spread sort of false messages about Christ, about who Christ is and about what Christianity is. And it seems like they do target young people, and young people are particularly susceptible to that. Is that because we're not doing a good job in our churches? Well, the short answer to that question is yes. Uh, we are not doing as good a job as we ought to be doing, and, and part of our commitment in writing these books that are aimed at a popular audience is, is to say that uh, not only not only does the church need to do a better job, but theologians need to do a better job of communicating what it is that the church is teaching to people and to help people be equipped for the kinds of conversations, the kinds of questions that people ask, because many times these questions are actually not maliciously motivated. Right. They actually come from the conversation that they're hearing and picking up on the airwaves and, and through the television or what they're reading or what they're seeing, and and people, some of whom have no religious background whatsoever, don't have any way to process what they're hearing. Well, who better to be in a position, hopefully, to be able to tell them about it than people who are Christians, who understand not only their personal relationship to God and what Jesus Christ has done for them, but also what that means and doesn't mean about what people are saying about Christianity. And so our goal has been to make sure that people are well-informed in these areas, because Some of what's being said in some of this material is actually 
actually very accurate and historically true. It's often the implications that are drawn from it mm. that are where the problems are. And so when you just dismiss it or pretend that it doesn't exist or kind of put your hands over your ears, you really don't help the inquisitiveness that usually comes from a young person who's, who is in the process of searching for answers to questions that they're hearing, and they're, they're weighing these options. So I think it's important to take that very, very seriously. Well, and you have, and I know you've got this book, uh, Dethroning Jesus, but you also have other ways in which uh, you are giving people the information and really the ammunition to uh, combat these heresies. Well, the major thing, uh, I think, besides the books, is that we have we have been blogging now for a year and a half on uh, www.bible.org, and the site is called a Box Blog, and we deal with these issues as they come up. And we're trying to help people sort out the really valuable information that's out there from the implications that people are drawing that don't always go in the direction that some people claim. Dr. Daryl Bach is with me, and I know you're calling in to ask him questions. Stick with us through the break, and we'll take your calls. The number is 800-881-9270. Your questions about the Incarnation, about the other Gospels, about heresies. We'll take all of them right after this. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. And my guest is Dr. Daryl Bach, and he is the co-author with Dr. Daniel Wallace of a new book, Dethroning Jesus. It's very interesting. This book consists of six claims which have been made recently regarding Christ and then their responses to this. And we've discussed uh, before this popular book, Misquoting Jesus by Bart Ehrman. Uh, This is something that a lot of young people are reading. They're getting sort of led away by some of the points made in this book. And uh, Dr. Bach and uh, Dr. Wallace are trying to help parents and young people to understand the truth and to combat some heresies that are out there. And uh, particularly at Christmas time, there are these attacks on uh, Christ and Christianity. And we are taking your calls for Dr. Bach. Let's go first to Plano and talk with Renee. Hi, Renee. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, Dr. Bach? Yes, ma'am. I have a question for you. Um, what chapter are we on in Sunday school? <laughs> All right. Dr. Bach is your Sunday school teacher. <laughs> well, we're going to be wrapping up the Epistle of Barnabas. How does that sound? That's going to throw people off. We're doing a class on the Apostolic Fathers where we're looking at, at the impact of the New Testament on the second century and have been going through some of those works gradually. So we're actually <laughs> we're actually wrapping up uh, the Epistle of Barnabas, and we'll start in chapter uh, uh, start in chapter 19 and go to the end. So we'll be wrapping it up next week. Okay, good. Thank you. You're very That's welcome. It? You yeah, don't have study, a theological study, question. Study for that exam. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, this sounds tough, and you know, uh, this is a good advertisement for your Sunday school class because Dr. Bach is also elder emeritus at Trinity Fellowship Church in Dallas. Well, we are taking your calls eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero. Let's go back to the phones. Lee is in Dallas. Go ahead, Lee. Uh, hello. I wanted to ask a question about the Holy Spirit. I. I'm just curious to see what you think about it, because I'm confused about this. Um, I've heard people say that the Holy Spirit is a person. I mean, I know it's the Trinity is uh, three in one, and but the Holy Spirit is a spirit, I, I always thought. 
Well, the the term person here, and it isn't it isn't that the idea can't that you can let me say it this way that you can't be a spirit and be a person at the same time. You don't have to choose between the two. Person is the idea of someone who has a uh, someone who has a, a, an existence and a sense of consciousness is what we're talking about here. And someone, if we're talking about a human being, it's someone who has the capability of relating to God. Now, obviously, when we're talking about God, we're talking about the capability of relating uh, to Himself. And so, the idea that the Holy Spirit is a person is very much an idea in the New Testament, because the Spirit uh, has a will and is responsive. Uh, Jesus sends the Spirit. The Spirit uh, intercedes on our behalf. He does the activity that that uh, conscious agents do. And so, in that sense, the Holy Spirit is a person. But the person of Christ, right? In spirit. Well, again, this is uh, this is part of what makes uh, the Trinity a difficult doctrine for some people. Is it's not modalism. It's not the idea that the, that God is sometimes Father and God is sometimes Son and God is sometimes Spirit. It's all three existing at the same time. I'm going to use a terrible illustration because there's no good illustration for the Trinity, but I'll try it this way. It's a little bit like water being liquid, vapor, and ice all at the same time. Okay. Okay. So, so when you when you think about it that way, it's three in one, and you never divide the individuality of the three, even as you talk about the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. That's, um, that helps. Thanks for your welcome. call, Lee. We appreciate it. Again, we are taking your calls for Doctor Daryl Bach, and I have one since we're talking about the incarnation of Christ, and that is what's your favorite passage of scripture on the incarnation. Ooh, that is a difficult question. I, you know, I just, whenever I get asked this question, I do this in class all the time. I begin class, and usually I'm going through, and I say, now, this is this is one of my favorite passages in the text. And about halfway through the semester, the students get it, that, that basically every passage is <laughs> among my favorites. But uh, I, I do like very much, um, I, I like, I actually like the hymnic material in Luke's Gospels that surround the story because they tell the story in a in a powerful way. And so, whether it's uh, whether it's it's uh, Zechariah expressing amazement about how God is keeping His promise, or Simon who has seen the child now and says, you know, now my hands have held your salvation. You know, you can take me. Um, there are these are powerful parts. I think of of the picture of Christmas. So it's not the manger scene. Uh, it's it's the singing that goes on around the scene that I really enjoy. Okay. Uh, one of the things we've combated uh, on this program uh, at KCBI, we've been talking about truth for the last several weeks. And uh, we're very concerned about people who claim to be preachers or who are preachers, but who are sending something out there that's sort of truth mixed with untruth. And uh, in this case, there's a particular pastor who has a great following, uh, but I want to just uh, play this bite. It's televangelist John Hagee plugging his new book, making some pretty controversial claims. I'm delighted to present my latest book, In Defense of Israel. This book will expose the sins of the fathers and the vicious abuse of the Jewish people. In Defense of Israel will shape Christian theology. It scripturally proves that the Jewish people as a whole did not reject Jesus as Messiah. It will also prove that Jesus did not come to earth to be the Messiah. It will prove that there was a Calvary conspiracy between Rome, the high priest and Herod to execute Jesus as an insurrectionist too dangerous to live. 
Since Jesus refused by word and deed to claim to be the Messiah, how can the Jews be blamed for rejecting what was never offered? Read it in this shocking expose in defense of Israel. Of course, that's the ad for John Hagee's book. And Hagee is known as a defender of Israel, a lover of Israel. But he's going a little too far here, isn't he? Yes. You know, this is, this is an amazing mix. I mean, in one sense, he's absolutely right. Not every Jew rejected Jesus Christ. The 12 disciples who were around Jesus were Jewish. Uh, and there was a following that was gathering that would that they were Jewish, and that's part of what had the Jewish leadership nervous. But the idea that Jesus did not accept the claim to be Messiah, it, that he can make a claim and read the Scripture, is absolutely amazing. If you look at one of the most important scenes in Jesus' life, which is the scene at Caesarea Philippi where Peter is confessing that Jesus is the Christ— Jesus responds to this positively and says, you know, flesh and blood didn't, didn't teach you this. This is something that came to you from the Father. The Father has given you insight to perceive that this is who I am. Now, Jesus did recast, this is important, Jesus did recast the perception of who the Messiah was that existed in the first century. Um, so had Hagee claimed that Jesus rejected a Jewish conception of Messiah who was only a powerful figure, then that would be correct. But the problem here is, is this language looks so absolute. He said, I am the Messiah, but I am a Messiah who also will suffer as God promised. And so it's that element that is that is kind of the new mix on the on the Jewish picture. And when the Jews reject Jesus, they reject him not only for his claim to be Messiah, after all, he was crucified with the sign that said above him, King of the mm-hmm. Jews, but he also was crucified because he claimed to be able to sit at the right hand of the Father, that God would vindicate him and actually show him to be son of man, this human being who has divine authority, who's able to sit in God's very presence. And to a Jewish person for whom only God can have the glory, that claim, if Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be, would be blasphemous. And of course, the the issue is, is Jesus who he claims to be? And the resurrection is, as I like to say, it, God's vote on the matter. <laughs> and uh, right. when that tomb, tomb goes empty, uh, we not only know that the tomb is empty, we know where Jesus went because he told us where he was going. He's at the right hand of the Father, sharing that authority and sharing that glory. We're so glad to have Dr. Daryl Bach with us today. And we are still taking your calls. Let's go now to Arlington and speak with Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi, Tenna. Thanks for, Thanks for waiting. Thanks for waiting. Um, Dr. Bach, um, I'm sure I'm like a lot of the listeners out there who are getting ready to, uh, you know, be with family members, and you might be the token Christian in your family, and you're going to be sitting across the dinner table from your family members who have all been watching Discovery Channel and History Channel, and they've got their guns loaded, uh, ready to ask you questions about these Gnostic Gospels. And what could you summarize, like a like maybe a nugget response that would kind of encapsulate the basic response, you know, in defense of the first century church that seemed to be making these decisions and ruling out these Gnostic Gospels, because they weren't authentic, they weren't the, they didn't give the real message about Jesus. Well, first of all, uh, there's no such thing as a token Christian in a family. If you're a Christian in a family and you represent the presence of God in that family, uh, that could be a real blessing to your family. 20 or 30 years from now, all your family might be Christian because you were the token Christian to start off with. That's what's happened in my family. And and so um, I really want to just commend you for, for thinking about even asking the question in this kind of a way. The nugget idea is this. Uh, if you look at most of these Gospels, they all have a cre- many of them, not all of them, but many of them have a creation story. That creation story basically goes like this. 
that God wasn't responsible for the creation, an underling God was, and that underling God botched the job so badly that the material world that was created was evil from the beginning and is irretrievably irredeemable. In other words, there's no way to save it. That is in contrast to the picture in the Hebrew Scripture, in the Jewish Scripture, in the, what we call the Old Testament. The reason I'm using the various titles is because this is a very fundamentally Jewish idea that Christianity inherited from Judaism, and that is that God created in the beginning, the one God, and that creation was good. So this story of creation is automatically running against the Judaism out of which Christianity sprang. So any gospel that teaches this can't be teaching the biblical idea of God, much less Jesus, and would have been put uh, as questionable from the get-go. So just think about creation in relationship to the Gnostic teaching, and that'll give you something to start off with. And then if that isn't good enough, tell them about the Gnostic God, well, the Gospel of Thomas that says you have to be male in order to enter the kingdom of God. That'll stop them in real cold. Dr. Daryl Bach, uh, thank you so much uh, for participating in these two segments of the program. www.bible.org is the website. The newest book, Dr. Bach co-authored Dethroning Jesus, Popular Culture, and the Quest to Unseat the Biblical Christ. It might be a good Christmas present. Thanks for being with us. If you look for Bach's blog on that site, you'll be able to find the blog. Join us next segment. We'll talk about marriage, abortion, and a lot more. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. But in the end, we stopped the Federal Marriage Amendment and we sent a strong message that we will not stand idly by when anyone tries to write discrimination into our Constitution. That's Hillary Clinton talking to the Human Rights Campaign, which is the largest homosexual advocacy organization in the nation, uh, taking some credit for stopping the Federal Marriage Amendment, which would have enshrined in the Constitution marriages between one man and one woman. And I thought it was interesting. In the news yesterday, uh, the world's oldest person uh, died. And uh, he was 116 years old, and he attributed his longevity to the fact that he never married. Uh, most studies, though, show that marriage is actually good for people and helps them live longer. I might mention to you that uh, Dr. Daryl Bach did not leave. I said goodbye to him. We persuaded him to stay and answer your questions. So if you have any more questions for him, give us a call, 800-881-9270. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, 
his book uh, on the book of Acts. He has a commentary on it and uh, ask him to give some encouragement to today's church uh, from Acts. And uh, you can also ask your theology questions. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. The reason I bring up marriage, though, is because there is a good piece of news that I wanted to report. We hadn't reported this. But in the state of Florida, the citizens are actually going to get to vote on marriage, as many other states have done. Uh, there will be a marriage amendment on the ballot in November, and uh, they re- they got the signatures that they needed and more with a great margin to be able to vote on marriage between one man and one woman. That's a very important state uh, to be able to do that. So we're glad to uh, report that to you. And I might mention, speaking of the presidential race, Ron Paul says he's not opposed to same-sex marriage. Being true to his Federalist view, uh, he told ABC's John Stossel the gays should be allowed to marry. They can do whatever they want and call it whatever they want. He's a libertarian, you know. Just so they don't impose their relationship on someone else, he'd like to see all governments out of the marriage question. Well, we can't really do that, or we'll have all kinds of definition of marriage. One more piece of news. I promised I'd talk about abortion. A Heisman Trophy winner, Tim Tebow, uh, wouldn't be here today if his mother had made a different decision. She was actually given uh, drugs to counter uh, some kind of an illness that she had as a missionary in the Philippines. They told her that these drugs would cause irreversible damage to him as uh, she was carrying him. But she went ahead with the pregnancy, and he's absolutely fine, as we know. Pretty healthy specimen Maybe there. Maybe <laughs> our first steroids case. We never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Dr. Daryl Bach is with us. And uh, before we go back to the phones, Dr. Bach, uh, I want to ask you to just give us some encouragement from the Book of Acts, since you did write a commentary. Well, I, I tell you, what, what I, as I listen to all this news and what swirls around, around us in the culture, you know, I, I think of the first century church. And in Acts chapter 4, when Peter is arrested as part of the persecution, it's interesting what they pray. They don't pray for judgment on those who do the arresting. They pray that they might be faithful in giving the testimony to the faith that, that, that uh, they've been called upon to, to profess. And so I think that that actually is a very good word to the church. Uh, sometimes I think we get so worked up that about what goes on around us when really the most important thing we can do is to be faithful to the calling that God has given us to reflect who Jesus Christ is and to be prepared to give a defense for, uh, that's not Acts, but it's in Bible, uh, mm-hmm. be prepared to give a defense for those who ask of us. And, and, and I think that that tone sometimes is almost as important as our message because part of what you want to do, we often use the figure of spiritual warfare, and, of course, in war, the goal is to annihilate the enemy and win the territory. But in spiritual warfare, the goal is to win over the enemy. And so it's a different kind of battle. It requires a different kind of strategy, and it requires a different kind of engagement. And so I think it's very, very important to think about interacting in such a way that the invitation of the gospel is always uh, ready at hand because uh, all of us know who are Christians that we need what the gospel provides, and that's true for everyone. You know, the gospel's an equal opportunity employer. And mm-hmm. uh, in that sense, I think it's very, very important. There's nothing less non-discriminatory than the offer of the gospel in Jesus Christ dying for anyone's sins. All we have to do is acknowledge it, and then we experience new life. I want to ask you, if we have time before the end, about our weapons, because truth is one of the weapons. But yet uh, we also need a loving and winsome spirit, and there has to be a balance. There, but let me get some callers in. Mm-hmm. Melissa is in Dallas. Melissa, go ahead. Oh, we've lost her. Let's go to Sean in Dallas. Hi, Sean. Thanks for calling. Hi, how you doing? Great. Go ahead. Yes, I have a question. Uh, and again, this isn't really relevant to uh, Christ. Hey, anything's on the do. table. Okay. 
Uh, I have a question about the Nephilim. I've been reading a lot, trying to understand exactly what or who they were or what they were referring to. And there's a few verses that say they won't be resurrected. And uh, I was wondering if you can shed any light on that for me. The Nephilim are uh, the figures who are referred to as giants in the land in in Genesis, in the early chapters of Genesis. And there actually is a lot of discussion, even among theologians, about what exactly is being referred to here because of the how brief the men, the mention is of them. It is very clear in Jewish tradition and in parts of the Christian tradition that the idea was is that these were some type of uh, angelic existence that, that manifested itself at this particular time, and that's the way many people will take it. Another, another group will take it to be um, very large human beings, almost like a, you know, a series of NFL football players who inhabited the earth and uh, were just physically bigger than anyone who was around. And there was, uh, there was a, a moral act that took place between the Nephilim and women that led to the judgment uh, that Noah experiences with the ark. So uh, that's the background of the Nephilim. Wow. All right, Dr. Bach, uh, now to my question, because you're all about uh, truth, combating heresy, combating error. But I can tell, uh, this is the first time I've met you, I've interviewed you before by phone. Uh, you're also about loving others and winning them to Christ. How do we balance uh, you know, this, this real uh, concern about error? That we've got to be, you know, we've got to be strong on with uh, a loving attitude and winning people. Well, I would say there are several parts of it. One is to recognize that no one of us uh, has a one hundred percent perception of the truth. We all err, whether intentionally or unintentionally, in something that we believe. I, you know, I know that I, I've taught at the seminary for twenty six years. I'm sure at some point I've made mistakes about what I've said the truth is. So I think that builds in a kind of humility and dependence that's very, very important. On the other hand, I think it's very uh, important to be sensitive that 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 the truth that you communicate be true, that it be something that's uplifting, be something that's edifying, be something that's positive for people, that it doesn't destroy or damage relationships, but it actually works to enhance them. You know, there's sometimes you have to give unpleasant news. I would love as a doctor to be able to walk into any cancer patient and say, I'm going to heal you. Right. But no doctor can make that promise. And some doctors have to walk into a room and say, you know, this is, this is cancer. It's serious. There's nothing we can do. And that's painful news, but it's truth. And I think as spiritual doctors, if you want to think about it, sometimes we have to give painful news to people, too. And that is that human beings are not all they're cracked up to be. Now, I don't think that's that hard a message to deliver when I watch the news every night at 10 o'clock. But for some people, that's very difficult news to grasp. And yet that's the starting point for the gospel. Good words for us, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Bob. We really appreciate it. Uh, I want to add that if you're looking away uh, for a way to keep Christ in Christmas, uh, we've got a recording. Uh, Larry Williams, our producer, has a recorded the Christmas story from the Bible with some music from Handel's Messiah, and you can get it by going to www.jerryjohnsonlive.com. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.